Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. This past weekend, I was cleaning out my place and I found this dusty old box. It was full of comics from when I was younger. Flipping through them, it brought back a lot of memories. My favorite was Spider-Man. In it, Peter Parker gets bitten by a radioactive spider, which transforms him from an ordinary teenager into a web-slinging superhero. With his newfound powers, he becomes an agent of change, fighting for justice and the people of his city. As followers of Christ, we are also transformed into new people. With Jesus in our lives, we become his agents for change. Our cities, our nations, our world must see the difference he has made in us. So I wanna ask you, when people observe your life, do they see someone like Peter? either the person in the Bible or the comic book? Do they notice someone whose life is genuinely changed? Basically, would they recognize Christ in you or me and desire that same life-changing difference in their own lives? Well, greetings to all of you. We've been on an amazing journey this summer as we've explored the great invitation of Jesus to every single person in the world to become his followers. So we come to the final weekend of our summer series. I want to welcome all those watching from our various campuses, the Crowfoot Theaters in Northwest Calgary, our campus in Bridgeland, Airdrie and South Calgary. And I also want to say hello to our online audience as well. Over the last eight weeks, we've been on a journey of discipleship, and we've touched on some of the key markers or pivotal points in your walk with Jesus. I trust that this sermon series has been a blessing to you. We started off uh, with the great invitation of Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Then we heard from our campus pastors share their own personal journey of discipleship. From there on, we addressed how the gospel transforms our lives and the lives of those who are around us. We covered topics like significance, freedom, the priority of maintaining a close walk with God, how God comforts us in our suffering, and how important it is for us to be part of a Christian community of followers of Jesus. So if you missed any of these sermons, I want to encourage you to watch them online or even get a CD set from our bookstore so you can uh, uh, listen to it when you drive. And if you know of a new Christian, I encourage you to give them this entire sermon series as a gift because it will give them a strong foundation to their new life in Christ. Now, in this final message of the series, I want to talk to you about how we make a difference for Jesus with our lives. The Bible uses many metaphors and images to depict what it means to follow Jesus. A common scriptural analogy is to compare the Christian life to a race. The Christian life is not a 100-meter dash, but it's a marathon. In a short-distance race, what really counts is speed. But in a long-distance race, what makes the crucial difference is endurance. So watching Usain Bolt blaze through the racetrack at lightning speed may be entertaining, but you cannot go very far at that pace. You will inevitably break down. So that's why I believe that we don't impact our world for Jesus by working at a hysterical pace for a short period of time. But we're called to make a steady, consistent, long-term difference for Jesus by living a resilient life of discipleship. 
That's what every Christ follower should aspire for. All of the lessons we have learned this summer on following Jesus has to be put into practice, not for a short duration, but over and over on a consistent basis. Because Christians are in for the long haul. One of the greatest tragedies is to witness Christians who start the race well. They follow the call of Jesus and they respond to him. They show such promise and potential. They're off to a dashing start. But somewhere down the line in the race, they flounder and stumble. Their fate starts flagging. They're unable to endure the demands of discipleship. And before you know, they're no longer in the race. They've altogether quit following Jesus. And it breaks my heart as a pastor to see Christians quit the race. Christians who have the words DNF attached to their name. DNF stands for did not finish. But the Christians who really make a difference for Jesus are, are the ones who run the race with perseverance, with endurance, with steadfastness, with their eyes fixed on Jesus. And they are in this for the long haul. Today, I want to draw our attention to a powerful passage of Scripture that is so relevant to our day and time, and it's a fitting conclusion to our summer series, Follow Me. So may I ask us to stand as we read our text for today from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Father, even right now, we fix our eyes on Jesus, for He is our role model, the one who ran the race perfectly. And it is because He ran the race, we are in the race today. Lord, I pray for the ones who are weary. Would you speak to us in a fresh new way that your strength will be imparted to us, that each one of us here will run the race with perseverance, that, Lord, by your grace, we will make it to the finish line. So we pray, God, that by your Spirit, you will make these words come alive, and you will speak to each one of us in a personal way. We commit this time to your hands, and we pray this in the most powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Author Gordon MacDonald begins his book, A Resilient Life, with these words. In the great race of life, there are some Christ followers who stand out from the rest. I call them the resilient ones. The further they run, the stronger they get. E. Stanley Jones was such a man. He was a Methodist missionary who served in India for over 50 years. 
He had years of faithful ministry, traveling, preaching, writing, making the gospel culturally relevant to people, and leading countless people to faith in Christ. At age 83, he suffered a debilitating stroke. It left him without speech or physical mobility. And in the last few months of his life, he managed to mutter through his paralyzed lips the manuscript of a remarkable book called A Song of Essence. And in this spiritual autobiography, E. Stanley Jones talks about how the temporary exuberance of youth fades as old age sets in, and it brings cynicism and disillusionment. But then he goes on to declare this, I'm 83, and I'm more excited today about being a Christian than when I was at 18. That, I tell you, is an incredible testimony. For the mark of resilience is the further you run, the stronger you get. If you run the race with perseverance, you will be a stronger Christian in your 80s and your 20s and 30s. That is the message the writer of the book of Hebrews tried to communicate to his audience. The book was written to a group of Christians who were contemplating on quitting the Christian faith. They were considering throwing in the towel because following Jesus was getting too uncomfortable. They were being swayed by the pressures of the world and they were considering to stop following Jesus. We do not know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but the author gives a stirring call to Christians to run the race with perseverance. He called them to a life of resilience and challenged them to commit to the long haul. And I tell you, it's a message we need to pay attention today. We want Christians in their teens, in their 20s and 30s and 40s to embrace the Christian race in such a way that when we come to our 80s and 90s, we will be able to say, I'm more excited to be a Christian now than when I first started. That's how we make a difference for Jesus. Not through some quick fix formula or a bang-bang approach. But it takes a sustained long-term commitment to become agents of change in the hands of God. The Greek word used in that text in Hebrews for race is the word agon, from which we get our word agony. The Christian race is not a stroll in the park. It's not a leisurely evening walk. But it's been compared to an agonizing race, a strenuous race that demands our everything. There are many distractions, many detours, many seductions that try to take our focus away from following Jesus. How do we endure and finish the race strong? How do we stay the course in the midst of the many difficulties surrounding us? How do we persevere amidst trials and temptations? A text in Hebrews gives us solid answers to these critical questions. Firstly, we see in our text, we run our race by looking to other Christians who are examples. Verse 1 begins with these words. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. The word therefore signifies that the author is uh, drawing a conclusion based on what he has stated earlier. 
So the previous chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. We find reference here to the heroes of faith who ran their race successfully. We have names like Abraham, Moses, Rahab, Samuel, David, and some unknown names who persevered in the midst of persecutions and struggles. They are presented to us as the cloud of witnesses. And their lives testify to the faithfulness of God and they witness to the fact that it's worth running the Christian race. What that means is you and I are never alone in what we are going through. Other men and women of faith have gone through the very circumstances that you're grappling with. The same temptation that you're battling against, the exact trial that you're facing in your life, they've gone through all of that, and they didn't quit, but they marched forward, and they reached their finish line. So the text in Hebrews presents these people as our role models. When we are discouraged in our Christian life, when we feel like we are stuck in the race, we ought to draw inspiration from these cloud of witnesses. And I believe the cloud of witnesses is not limited to characters in the scripture, but they include Christian men and women in history as well as the ones who are alive today. We can draw inspiration from other matured Christians. Whenever I feel my spiritual life is stalled, when I'm struggling to maintain my focus, there's something that I've done that has served me really well. I take the time to read a Christian biography that addresses the very area I'm struggling. And I tell you, it has offered me loads of inspiration. And along with that, I look to other Christians, other men and women whom I have admired over the years for their faith, character, commitment, and example. And they're role models to me, and I know that they didn't quit the race, and I can't quit, and I can't let them down. We can learn so much from other believers who are ahead of us in the race. So it's yet another reminder that you need to belong to a community of other believers, people who can inspire your walk with Jesus. Find ways to get connected into a community of believers. So here at Central Campus, right after the service, talk to someone at the Connect table about ways of getting connected here at the church. If you're watching this from one of our regional, talk to one of your campus pastors about how you can be more involved in your campus. And if you're watching this online, I want to encourage you to send us an email, and we will be happy to give you more information about how you can be more involved at Center Street Church. We all need the inspiration of other Christians in our race. Secondly, we run our race by laying aside all hindrances. So Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles the writer of the book of Hebrews gives us the image of an athletic race. How athletes prepare to run the race in the great arena. You know, I wish I can give you this amazing illustration from my life of how I prepared for a grueling marathon and came first in the race. That may be really inspiring, but it wouldn't be true. 
The last time I won a race was in kindergarten. <laughs> so I'll speak more from observations and not from personal experience here. When we look at athletes today, they wear jackets and track pants when they're warming up. But when it's time for the race to begin, they lay all of that aside and they wear outfits that are specially engineered to reduce body friction, to help them run fast, because even a fraction of a second counts in a professional race. No person in their right mind will ever run a race wearing a suit or high heels. <laughs> the point is, you cannot run the race with accessories that are a hindrance. Now, how true that is to the Christian race. There are numerous things that can hinder you as you run this race. And these hindrances need not necessarily be sinful things, but they could be anything that slows us down, anything that doesn't contribute to your running the Christian race is a hindrance. Now let me give you an example here from my life. When my wife and I got married, we bought a new television set with the money we received from the wedding gifts. We were still in India, pastoring a church there. It was a big deal for us. You know, my favorite sport is cricket. I think it's the best sport in the entire world. <laughs> now that we had a TV, I started watching a lot of cricket. I reasoned to myself, it's a cricket World Cup season. Once this is over, I wouldn't be watching so much. But I found out that there's hardly a lull in the cricket season. And many days I would go to bed late, and it was not easy to wake up in the morning to read my Bible and have quiet times with God. And after a few months, my wife and I had to have a difficult conversation, and we felt strongly that it's time to get rid of our prized possession because it was turning out to be a hindrance. I tell you, it was a good decision. Oh yes, we cried, but that's okay. <laughs> it's a policy we've been able to keep until today, no satellite TV connection in the Ramani household. See, there's nothing sinful about television per se. But if it is going to hinder me in running the Christian race, then I have to question its place in my life. Now, don't worry, I'm not asking you to get rid of your satellite connection. You can breathe easy. But I do want you to evaluate and ask that question. What are those hindrances that are stopping me from running the race well. A text calls us to lay aside all hindrances. Every single hindrance needs to be laid aside. And the text also says, the sin that so easily entangles us. Watch out for that. Sin that so easily entangles. If you're not careful, if you're not being vigilant, every Christian is in danger of being entangled by sin. The Christian race is not a competition that pits us against each other, but it's a relentless battle against Satan, the world, and the flesh. This battle never stops. You cannot take a break from it. It does not matter how mature we are as Christians. We are never immune to sin. And if you're entangled by something in a race, you're going to fall flat on your face. And that's what sin does to a Christian. It brings us down on our face. A sinful lifestyle cannot coexist with the Christian way of life. 
I found this quote in our Daily Bread devotional. Perseverance is as much about a strong want as a strong will. So that means we have to discipline ourselves to say no to certain things in order to be able to run the race well. Now we come to the main point of our text. This is the exhortation of the author of the book of Hebrews. Look at the last part of verse 1. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Perseverance is a steady determination. It's an ongoing commitment, a sustained effort to finish the race. The Christians to whom the writer of the book of Hebrews addressed had started off the race well. But now halfway into the race, they were slacking in their endurance. They were losing their enthusiasm and confidence. They began to weaken and waver in their faith, for they found the race to be too hard. And that represents many Christians in our generation who are finding the race too hard halfway. And they become lukewarm, nominal, and half-hearted in the way they run the race. Maybe you're discouraged with your lot in life. And you're saying to yourself, I'll be able to run this race if only I had a better marriage, better finances, better health, better education, better upbringing. But my race is too hard, and I don't know how I can go on like this. I want you to listen to me. You didn't choose this course. God marked out this race for you. This race has been prepared by God uniquely for you. Oh yes, it's fraught with challenges, but you've been called and commissioned by God to run this very race. If you didn't have it in you in the first place to finish the race, the Lord wouldn't have assigned it to you in the first place. Quitting is not an option. I'm speaking to some of you here today. Quitting is not an option. Press on and keep running. Rely on the grace of God. He will carry you to the finish line. And what the writer of the book of Hebrews is offering is not just a motivational speech, but he presents Jesus as the ultimate example of running the race. Which leads us to our third and final point. We run our race by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Look at verses 2 and 3 of Hebrews 12. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Research says that human beings cannot walk a straight line. There's something about our inner disposition that causes us to walk crooked. The only way we can walk straight is by focusing on something that is ahead. So you need an object in front of you to fix your attention in order to be able to walk straight. And that applies to your spiritual life as well. You cannot run the Christian race with mere determination. 
You need a focal point to fix your eyes. And the book of Hebrews says that focal point is Jesus. You fix your eyes on Jesus all the way. For Jesus is the one who ran the perfect race. And he offers us a perfect example to follow. That brings us to the question, how did Jesus face the trials and challenges of his life and finish his race? Our text says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The cross was the lowest form of capital punishment reserved for slaves and criminals. It involved public humiliation and torture. Jesus knew very well this was the race marked out for him. God's mission for his life was to die on the cross. And all through his life and ministry, Jesus would face numerous temptations to bypass the cross, take a shortcut, and find another way to finish his race than what God intended. For Jesus, you need to know this, the cross was not just about physical suffering, but the sinless Savior took on the sins of the entire world. The guilt and shame of every single person who ever lived were laid on Jesus' shoulders. And Jesus, who always existed in intimate fellowship with his Father, faced a separation on the cross. And God's wrath for the sins of the entire world was being poured out on one person. That is a race that is so difficult that you and I cannot even fully comprehend it. And in the midst of all that, one of the greatest words ever uttered are the words of Jesus on the cross. It is finished. How did Jesus do that? Go through the agony of the cross. Where did he have the wherewithal to endure the most excruciating death ever conceived? How did Jesus make it to the finish line? Not by fixing his eyes on the cross, but what was beyond the cross. Jesus looked beyond the immediate painful circumstances to the joy that was ahead. His eyes were riveted on the end outcome of the cross. For he knew what was coming. Jesus embraced what seemed like defeat in order to establish the most comprehensive victory over Satan, sin, and death. And Jesus endured the cross, this race he was marked out for, because he was not looking at Friday. He was looking to Sunday. He was not focused on the agony and the shame, but the joy and rewards that were ahead of him. He was not obsessed with the temporary, but his eyes were fixed on the eternal. Jesus was not preoccupied with his own humiliation because he saw the joy of your shame and my shame being stripped away as we become part of God's family. Jesus knew in that crowd, some of them who shouted crucify him will one day bow down before him and acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. That's why it says in Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God 
persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. That was the joy that was set before Jesus. Even when Jesus was being shrouded with darkness on the cross, as he hung naked with a crown of thorns around his head and his body being beaten to pulp, Jesus somehow saw this vision of heaven populated with worshipers from every single people group. And it's this vision that gave him the strength to endure and stay on that cross. And he determined in his heart not to quit, and he ran the hardest race one can possibly run. And he victoriously marched to the finish line. And that's why Jesus alone is infinitely worthy of our admiration and praise. And he is the one on whom we fix our eyes. You will not grow weary and lose heart in your race when you contemplate all that Jesus went through. For nothing you and I endure can be compared to what Jesus endured. Life at its best will have trials and challenges. But we don't just look at this life. We are so fixated on the eternal rewards that God has for us that gives us the power to endure in this life. For the promise of God is, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the human mind even conceived the things God has in store for those who love him. And even in that point in your race, when you feel, I have nothing left to give. I can't take one step forward. I see no future ahead of me. I want you to remember the promise that Jesus is the author and perfecter of your faith. The Bible says the one who started the good work in you will bring it to completion. That's his promise to us. So the way we run our race is not just through our own determination, but by relying on the promises of God, especially in the tough times. One of my favorite heartwarming sporting stories is from the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. ESPN rated this incident as one of the top 100 memorable moments in the last 25 years. In the Barcelona Olympics in 1992, it was the semifinal of the 400-meter men's race. The stadium was packed with 65,000 fans, bracing themselves for one of sports' greatest and most exciting spectacles. The British runner, Derek Redmond, his position on the 400-meter race. Four years ago in the 1998 Seoul Olympics, Derek Redmond had to pull out of the 400-meter race just 90 seconds before the start of the race because of an injury. Now, four years later, Derek was in fine form, had worked really hard, and was all set to win the medal. As the gunman fired, Derek took off the blocks and was seen leading the pack. All the training and determination seemed to be paying off. About 150 meters down the track, and on a very strong position, his hamstring gave away. You can see the video of Derek clutching his leg in pain as everyone else raced past him, and his dreams and hopes were totally shattered. 
hopping on one leg. Derek slowed down and finally collapsed to the ground and was seen weeping like a baby on the racetrack. Medics ran out to assist him, but he refused their help. Derek was determined to finish the race. Despite the pain, he crawled and hobbled along the track. At that moment, there was a sudden commotion in the crowd as a large man was seen running the grandstands, bumping against people, pushing the security guard who was trying to stop him. It was Derek's dad. He could no longer watch this misery of his son in pain. So he came onto the field to lend a helping hand. He helped his son to stand, wrapped his arms around his waist, and walked with him every step of the track. He was heard softly whispering to his son, I'm here, we'll finish this together. Derek put his arms around his dad and he sobbed and sobbed. And together, arm in arm, the father and son finished the race with 65,000 people cheering wildly, many of them in tears, every single one of them on their feet. The International Olympic Association made a video of this incident. The narrator of the video says, just a reminder, at the Olympic Games, you don't need to have to come first in order to win. What a powerful depiction it is of the Christian race. We don't have to come in first in order to win. We're only called to persevere till the finish line, the race marked out for us. And sometimes in this race, we stumble. We fall, we crawl, and we hobble. But when Jesus sees the determination in your heart to keep running, he comes alongside you. He puts his arms around your shoulders, and he walks with you every step of the way, and he leads you to the finish line. Friend, don't ever contemplate on quitting this race. We've responded to the call of Jesus, the greatest call ever given to follow him. Let us now run this race with perseverance that's marked out for us. For that's how we make a difference for Jesus with our lives. I'm going to ask all of us to stand as we come to an end. in the quietness of this moment I want you to reflect on your race how you're running and ask God to give you the strength to endure and persevere till the finish line so let's maintain a moment of silence now and just listen to the still small voice of the spirit in this place some of you here you opted out of the race or some of you who are running this race half-heartedly 
And I believe the Lord is speaking to you even right now. And He's calling you to press on. And he promises to give you strength and grace to endure and carry you to the finish line. Friend, if that is you, I want to pray for you. Pray that God would give you a fresh new start. And He would use you in your life to make a difference in a significant way. Let's join together in prayer. Father, as we come before you, we want to give you thanks for Jesus and his example. Thank you for the way he ran his race. He endured the agonies of the cross for the joy that was set before him. And here we are, Lord, your joy, your price purchase of your redemption Lord help us we pray for we want to follow you all the way till the very end till our last breath let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily entangles help us to fix our eyes on you Jesus we need you and your grace to strengthen our resolve to follow you. At times when we fall, we pray that you will reach out and pick us up. And give us the strength, Lord, to run till the very end. And may our lives bring glory and honor to you as we keep fixing our eyes on you, Jesus. And pray for those of them who need a fresh new strength from you. Empower them today. With your spirit, seal their decision, O Lord. Follow you faithfully all the days of their life. And even as we leave this place, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of our Heavenly Father, and the sweet, unfailing fellowship of the Holy Spirit, may rest and abide with each and every one of us, with now and forevermore. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.